welcome you. Um, I'm Pastor Jake. I'm the young adult pastor here at Res Life, and uh, so happy that, that you're here. If you're new, I want to welcome you. Uh, this is a, it's kind of intimidating, I know, to maybe sit at tables, but thank you for uh, being brave and sitting down in circles, even though it can be uh, kind of scary. Um, we have an amazing community here. Give it up for yourselves. We have an amazing community. Um, we love, we love Jesus. We love each other. Um, and tonight, I want to uh, talk to us about, uh, about generosity. So everyone say generosity. generosity. So uh, just on the count of three, I want to yell out, I want to yell out the gym that you go to. Just yell it out to me. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, how many of you don't go to the gym? Oh, it's okay. I don't want, no shame. No shame. No shame. So I want to tell you a story, Okay. So, are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for this story? Come on. Are you ready for this story? Come on. Life's, life's way more fun when you participate. So there's a group of lawyers who worked together, uh, and they were at the YMCA. YMCA. When a phone rings, one of the men answers, hello? Hey. Hey, hon. Hey, I can hardly hear you. Are you at the gym? And then the, the guy responds, yes, I am. And the lady on the phone says, well, I'm in front of the first shop, and they have this beautiful mink coat. It is to die for. Can I buy it? How much is it? Well, it's, it's about $5,000. <laughs> so the guy responds. He says, well, okay, why don't you buy a matching purse that goes with it, my love? The gal responds, well, it also turns out that I stopped by the car dealership today and saw that they have a brand new BMW on sale. It's the last one. Well, how much is the car? Uh, it's only $35,000. Fine, you can buy it. The woman, realizing that her husband was in a good mood, decided to ask one more question. Honey, remember that I told you that my mother-in-law wants to come live with us? Is it okay that I invite her over for a month just to try it out? And after a month, maybe we can talk it over again? Husband responds, okay, fine. But don't ask me again. For, don't ask me for anything else. Yes, yes. I love you so much, baby. Love you too. Bye. As soon as the gentleman hangs up the phone, he turns to the group of guys and asks, does anyone know whose phone this is? It's not a true story, okay? It's not a true story. So tonight we're talking about generous people, and I think it's so funny. The easiest time to be generous is when you're giving away money that's not your own. That's the, that's the, that's the, the easiest time to be generous. And um, I, as I was prepping for this message, I kind of, this is hard for me to say, but I almost felt like this was the most important message that I've ever that I was ever going to give, up to this point. And so I say that to raise our expectation level because I, I truly believe that this talk tonight in the next twenty five minutes can change our lives. It'll change the, 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 the literally can change the course of the rest of our life. And then I believe each one of us has a has a next step going out of this talk. So. If you're ready to dive in, I want you to say, let's go. Ready? One, two, three. Let's go. 
So I'm going to warn you, though, I have a lot of scripture tonight, okay? I'm warning you. I have a lot of scripture. So get your notepads, get your pens, get your phones out, whatever you're using to take notes. Uh, take your notes. If you fall a little behind, because I'm going to be working through a lot of scripture, I just recommend re-listening to it on the podcast. It'll be up on Monday. So I want you to dive in, and we're going to dive in. We're going to jump right into it. So if, the first thing I want to do is ask you the question of who's the most generous person that you know? Je- you can't say Jesus, okay? <laughs> who's the most generous, like in a, for in a, in a, in a, as a human, any guy, gal, parent, grandparent, who's, think about the, who's the most generous person you know. I was thinking back to this, and I, I was thinking of uh, two of my really good friends, Noah Hoverdink. Raise your hand if you know Noah Hoverdink. I was thinking of my friends Noah Hoverdink and my other friend Justin Gregg, if you know Justin. Um, so when I, was in, when I was in high school, Justin was a good friend of mine. Uh, we, we actually met and really became friends on our trip to Montana when we were in middle school, if you remember what, whoever went to Montana with us. And, uh, and every year, Justin would always buy me a present on my birthday. And what you got to know about Justin is if you were going out to eat, just out of randomly, you'd be like, Justin's like, yeah, I got the bill. And so whenever you went to Applebee's after, you know, whatever, you're like, okay, I'm going to go sit at Justin's, I'm going to go out to eat with Justin because there's the chance that he just might buy my meal, you know. And if you're feeling really lucky, you buy like two appetizers, or you know what I'm saying, and you're like, I hope Justin picks up the bill tonight. <laughs> um, but he's just one of the most, ge- he's one of the most generous people that I ever knew. And I remember like thinking like, because I don't think I have the gift, of, you know, there's the, the spiritual gift of giving. I don't think I have that naturally. Um, but I was always really inspired by his generosity. And then my other friend Noah, um, when we were in middle school, he started sponsoring a, a child from Africa through Compassion International. Raise your hand if you sponsor or know someone who sponsors uh, uh, anyone from Compassion or maybe, uh, or maybe a, a World Vision or any of those other organizations. Um, and I remember in seventh and eighth grade just seeing him give $12 a month. And when you're in eighth grade, $12 is like everything. So you're like, you're giving $12 a month? Are you kidding me? And I remember still, even at a young age, being so inspired by his generosity and so inspired by the sacrifice that he made, even at such a young age. And what I want us to realize is that inside each one of us, although we all are fallen in nature, the true us, the, God, the, the us that God sees and that he's working to develop us into, the, the people, the person that we are called to be is a radically generous person. The person, you're your best you when you're radically generous. And so I want to, I'm going to, my, my message tonight is kind of broken up into three, three or two parts, okay? So I have this first part and then I'm going to a second part. So here's the beginning of our first part. I want to share with you three convictions we need before we can be a generous people. So a conviction is like a belief, right? It's something that we believe without a shadow of a doubt. So we need to have these three uh, convictions before we can even be a generous people, okay? So everyone say three convictions. See, you guys are doing good, so good, participating. First conviction is that God will provide, no question about it. God will provide, no, we'll never be generous if we don't trust God. We'll never be as generous as we are, are designed to be if we don't trust God. This is what Malachi 3.10 says. Here's our first scripture. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, 
that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. How many of you know, know this because of Pastor Dwayne's prayer at the end of his offering messages on Sunday mornings? He just like prays and it's just like kind of like it's stuck in our minds. And sometimes we don't realize what it actually is saying. But look at the words that God is speaking in Malachi 3. He says that see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Do you know what the floodgates of heaven are holding back? A flood of blessings. And some of you are like, oh no, is this going to be one of those blessing, like, yeah, we want to be blessed messages. I don't know about you, I want to be blessed. Not really ashamed about it. I want to be blessed. You know why? My blessing's not about me, because any blessing that I give is going away to someone else. Some of it's going to stay with me, but, the, but, but a portion of everything that I get is going to other people. And so when we live as a generous people, we're unashamed to be blessed. See that the windows of heaven, that God will not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, that there will not be room enough to store. So the Bible says, test me. God says, test me in this. You know, that with our finances, it's the only area of our life, it's the only area that God allows us to test him. We can't test him in any other area of life. But he says, with your money, you can test me. And I promise you that I will follow through on my promise. Test me. Test me with your finances. Matthew 6.33 says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his, and his righteousness and everything you need will be given to you. Everything you need will be given to you. Matthew 6.33 so the first thing we need is we need uh, to have trust that God will provide, no question about it. So everyone say, God will provide, no question about it. And you see, this is not just a message that I give. Each one of us have a personal responsibility to get in our closet when no one's looking and to settle this in our heart. And we need to be real with how we feel. And we need to go to God and say, God, you know what, right now, I don't really trust you. I have all these bills, I have all, these, all this debt, I have all these things, I have all these things that I have. And to be honest with you, I don't really feel like tithing. Would you help me see where I'm holding back? And would your Holy Spirit help me to be a person who trusts you? You see, you can't just take this message and, and, and just store it in the information of your mind. We have to be personally responsible to the beliefs and the actions of our lives. So second thing. Second conviction we need to have before we can be generous people is make, have this conviction that I'll give in every season of life. I'll give in every season of life. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25, here's this next scripture. It says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Huh? That doesn't seem to make sense. One person has an open hand and gives generously to everyone around them and grows even richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one whose waters will he himself be watered. 
So we have this mindset that if we give, we lose. But in God's eyes, which how many of you, how many of you would agree that God's eyes in perspective matters more? In God's eyes, when you give, you actually have more. Because when you give, it opens up your life to receive more than what you had in the first place. But if you hold, then it says you'll only ever suffer want. Because when you hold, you'll inevitably lose. And when you lose, you can't gain. But when you give, you can gain. Does that make sense? Because guess what? Those, that rent that you have, that comes every month, don't it? Right? The, the, the bills, the grocery bills, the, the school bills, the, the debt, the school loans that we have, all these bills that we have, we're going to lose our money eventually. And when we lose it, we can't get it back, but we give it, we can gain it back. Not necessarily, we can gain it back. That's what the Bible says. We will be richer, yet grows all the richer. I want to just tell you a story quick. So given every season, okay? There's a story in Acts 11. I'm going to read it to you. It's going to be on the screen, Acts 11, 27 through 30. Once again, if you're getting like fallen behind with notes, just pay attention. You can catch back up on the podcast later. It says, during this time, some prophets, this is, this is after the church was being uh, established in the, in the city of Antioch, and the, the amazing things were happening. So many thousands of people were coming to Jesus. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus, everyone say Agabus. I think that's the name of our next kid. It's going to be Ag- I'm kidding, it's not going to be. Abby's not pregnant, if you remember that one message from a month back where I said that she's not pregnant, okay? Um, if you weren't here for that, just forget it. Um, one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Okay? So everyone say severe famine. So it says this happened during the reign of Claudius. So the prophet predicted it and basically the, the parentheses are saying it actually happened. And then the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift by the elders, uh, or their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So there was this severe famine. Now, now I want you to think about this: severe famine. We read that, and we're like, okay, sweet, severe famine. Probably just didn't have rain, you know. But back then, like, not having rain was a big deal, you know. Like, it was a big deal. Like, you know, this country song, "The Rain Is a Good Thing." You know what I'm saying? It's not a rain is a good thing. I won't sing it because it talks about inappropriate things. But anyway. This makes me think of 2008, the Great Recession. Here's some statistics. 2008, 2.6 million jobs were lost in the United States. There were 3.1 million filings for foreclosure. One out of every 54 homes were foreclosed in 2008. Let me ask you this question. What would you do? If you knew another economic recession was going to hit America, just kind of just a common sense question, what would I do? Naturally, I'm taking my money out of the bank, I'm putting it underneath my mattress. <laughs> right? I'm going to buy, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to hoard my money because there's not going to be money after the recession. Make sense? So this is, the, this, is the, this is the prophecy. Famine's going to hit. You're not going to have enough. Let's see what these guys do. These disciples, followers of Jesus. It says they took an offering. What? 
this doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, if you just heard that they were taking offerings, you're like, okay, sweet, we take offerings all the time, yeah. But there was this prophecy that famine was coming, and then they took an offering. This is not the time to take an offering. This is the time to say, okay, guys, like, maybe this season don't give, okay, to our natural mind. But to God's mind, to God's perspective, there is no season that we do not give. There is no season that we do not give. Because one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. One other withholds what he should give and only suffers want. That's what it's like. So everyone say, say it with me. I'll give in every season. Some of you were not as excited about that as the earlier one. <laughs> but I promise you, God's doing something in you. I, I can feel it in the room. God's shifting things inside of us to actually trust him. To actually trust him with our money. To actually trust him with our lives. To, to not bow to the fear that we're not going to have enough. To bow to, because let's be real, we spent all money on Starbucks and crazy things. And then we're like, yeah, I don't have any money to give. We'll talk about it in a minute, okay. Number three, third, uh, third conviction we need to have before we can be generous people. Where I want to, this is huge, guys. Where I want to be spiritually is directly related to how I handle my money. Oops. Some of you are like, really? Let's go to Luke 16, 10 verse 13. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Here's the, here's the key verse. So if you, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And Jesus is not referring to, to more money when he talks about true riches. He's referring to spiritual riches. He's referring to spiritual gifts. He's referring to things that only disciples and fo wholehearted followers of Jesus will encounter this world. And he's saying, if you can't handle money, you can't handle what I want to give you. Our spiritual maturity and growth is directly related to how we handle money. So we call this stewardship. So <clears throat> handling worldly wealth has to do with being a responsible steward and an intentionally generous person. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we be uh, trustworthy with, with earthly wealth? We're a good steward and we're intentionally generous. Pretty simple. Two things. Two keys. What is stewardship? We're gonna, in 2020, we're going to do an entire month on stewardship. We're going to do an entire month of how we handle our finances and how important it is and give you really practical tips of how you can budget and about what you do, finding mentors for your budgeting and all that stuff. We're doing that for you in 2020. I don't have time to go into it tonight. But what I am going to say is how we spend our money is critically important. How we spend our money is of the utmost importance to God. I love Dave Ramsey, isn't he, who, who like has ever gone through like Financial Peace University. 
or any of those things. And I, if, you, if you're one who struggles with money, we have a resource at our church called Financial, Financial Peace University. You can find it on our website, and you can actually sign up. And it's a course that they'll take you through how to actually get your finances in order. And so many people don't think about this, and it's so practical that, <laughs> that, that some of us are, are like, yeah, well, I don't need that. And it's like, yes, we do. We all need help. Because m- most of us were never modeled how to handle our money wisely. And so the first, it, we, need to be responsible, we need to be a responsible steward and intentionally generous. So everyone say, where I want to be spiritually is directly related to how I handle my money. So I'm going to go over these three and give you guys a pop quiz. Who can, who can tell me number one? Three convictions. God will provide, no question about it. Who's got number two? I'll give in every season. Who's got number three? Okay, you guys get like a C minus, okay? <laughs> Who is that? C's get degrees, right? <laughs> hmm. how, many of you, how many of you are those people that you cannot stand having a B? You're like, I need to have all A's. Like how many of you are, yeah. That was me. I was like, I cannot get a B. I need to have all A's. Don't cheat, though, guys, okay? I know cheating's really easy nowadays. Don't cheat. Oh, my gosh. My contact just fell out. <laughs> what the world? Oh, that sucks. Well, I can't see anymore. I'll live by faith, I guess. Okay, I'm just going to be like this the whole rest of the day. This is funny. Can you, everyone just... Reach your hand out and pray for me for the rest of this time, okay? Um, where was I? <laughs> okay, so those were our three keys. Before we can generous, we have to have these three convictions. So I don't say those things so that, am I cross-eyed or anything? No, okay. <laughs> I can't. It's like literally, who, knows, who has like contacts? I'm a negative 4.75. So like I literally like cannot see anything. This is really trippy right now. Um, no, I didn't find it. No, I'm not doing it off the ground. That's so gross. No, no, I'm not going to lick it. No. No. It's okay. Actually, yeah, let's see it. This will be the first time ever. This is, a, this, is a, this is a monumental moment. Yeah, do you have some? Come on. If I can do this, you guys need to all stand up and give Jesus a round of applause. Okay, you all need to get, this is, this is, oh, so generous. Thank you, Morgan. Crap. Hey, give me like four more minutes on my timer, okay? This does not count towards my time. Oh, no. I think it's actually inside out. (laughs) Okay. Third time's a charm. If you're watching on live stream, comment good luck. (laughs) I think that's it.
Okay, stay. Stay. Can you catch? Here you go. Yeah. All right, let's move on. It's not that comfortable, but we're going to move on. It's better than not being able to see. So we got, those <laughs> we got through those three convictions. Okay, now my crying. Three convictions or beliefs that we need to have before we are a generous people. So everyone repeat this after me. Say, my generosity, my generosity. Starts, now. starts now. Good job. That was like a B plus. We can get better. So I'm going to share with you Luke 21, 1 through 4. And this is what I mean by my generosity starts now. Jesus was in the synagogue and he was criticizing the Pharisees and he was just, it was like, you ever seen like those roast sessions on MTV, you know, like you do like Justin Bieber roasts and all that stuff like that. Jesus would go into the synagogues and do like these Pharisee roasts and he would just roast all the Pharisees. And uh, so it says, Luke 21, it says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And he, so he said, truly I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these, out of their abundance, have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, say, say out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Listen, your giving has nothing to do with your, the amount of money in your bank account or in your Venmo account. Your, your, your giving has nothing to do with how much you have. In God's perspective, it has everything to do with your willingness to sacrifice. Everything to do with your willingness to say, Jesus, I will choose to live my life modeled after you. A truly generous life does not take into account how much money we have. It takes into account the, the conviction to give no matter the season. So I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know if you have a part-time job, full-time job, you're making minimum wage. I don't know if you don't have a job. I don't care. This is for everyone that your giving generosity starts now. And that our lives will change. Our perspective and relationship with Jesus will change forever. Spiritual maturity will start to take place in our lives. We'll start to see God moving in our life like never before. Relationships coming together. We'll see growth, open doors. You see, because God cannot help but open the windows of heaven. Open up the windows of having to pour us out a blessing if we'll be a generous people. Not if we'll give everything, but if we'll give what we have. Now, a part of being a steward is being responsible to take care of ourselves and our families. So what I'm not saying is to give away all of your money. But I am saying is we should give more than the bare minimum. Give more than the bare minimum. So I, I kind of said that first section, which is the th three convictions. Now I'm going to give three places God tells us to give to. Three places God directly tells us to give to biblically. And I, will, and I will say from the bottom of my heart that scripturally, this is so rock solid and so saturated in all of the scriptures that when you read, you cannot get away with it. I have been reading the Bible for the last month with the, the generosity in mind, and I read Proverbs, and I read Psalms, and I read the Old Testament, and I read Leviticus, and then I read the New Testament, and I read Galatians, and I read Peter, and then I read Corinthians, and every book of the Bible is telling us to start giving away our money. 
Every book of the Bible is that talks about giving to the Lord, giving to our neighbors, giving to the needy, giving, giving, giving. And we live in a world today that is the most selfish culture in possibly the history of the world. And the church's job is to change the narrative. And your job is to change your narrative. And the amount of generosity that we live with. And we can do it, guys. Our generosity starts today. So three places God tells us to give to. The first place. Actually, before I tell you the first place, I want to tell you a story. Another, another story. Not a true story. Okay. Two men were, were stranded on an island. One man paced back and forth, worried, scared, scared that he would never be found. He had a family back home, while the other man was just sitting underneath a, a, a coconut tree, a palm tree. He's just sitting looking up at the coconuts, and he's just whistling and just relaxing. And the one man is like, come on, dude. Like, we got we got to find rocks, find trees. we got to do an SOS. we got to call for help. we gotta, we got to figure a way. I'm not going to die on this island. And there he stood. There he just sat underneath the palm tree. And the second man, the, 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 the one man asked, aren't you afraid? We are about to die. The man sitting underneath the palm tree said, nope. I make $100,000 a month, and I tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor will find me. So, the first place God tells us to give is the local church. Biblically, Malachi 3 says that we read it earlier, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the tithe is a, is a, is a law thing. God established the tithe in the Old Testament. But the tithe actually predates Moses. Abraham was actually the first person to give a tithe. He gave a tithe to a priest called Melchizedek. You can find that in Genesis 14. It also references it in, in Hebrews 7. And so the first place we give is to the tithe. It's our first tenth. It's the, it's the best. It's bringing our first tenth saying and consecrating it to the Lord. And saying, giving it, setting it apart for the Lord. And giving on a regular basis 10% of our income. And I can remember this guy. I remember it so clearly. I was in college. I was working part-time at a car wash. I had no money. And I remember, like, looking at my paycheck, and it was literally nothing. And I, you know what I mean? It, it was something, but it, I felt like nothing when you have to fill up your gas tank and you have to, you know, do all the, you have all your bills and stuff. And I was just like, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. Anyone ever thought that before? Like, I cannot afford to tithe. And I remember going through a season where I actually didn't. And and I and I remember justifying it over and over again. But guess what? Even after I didn't tithe, my, my, my bank account still hit zero. <laughs> it's not like I had extra money, you know what I mean? And what, what, I, what my point is, is that we need to be faithful in every season of life. God says if you'll seek first the kingdom, he will provide for you. And there's also other practical elements, which is you can say, I can't afford to tithe. Listen, we should be, we should, we should be willing to sacrifice pleasures and, and, and desires of our life momentarily in order to be faithful to our tithe. We should be able to sacrifice something, whether that's a Starbucks going out for a meal, whatever it is, we should be willing to sacrifice 
in order to tithe. And some people are like, Jake, I'm not opposed to giving 10%, but I do not trust church to handle my money. <laughs> Kidding me? Oh my gosh, I just feel like they waste the money. Hmm, sounds like someone I know. No, listen, I, I'm just being funny, but realistically, your job is not to be responsible for how the church handles the money. Your job is to give unto the Lord. Okay? And if some of you are like, yeah, I don't like the sound of that. Listen, don't take it up with me. Take it up with God. And for you, we have, a, we have an annual budget statement that is open at Resurrection Life Church to anyone in the entire church. If you want to know what our church spends money on, you can go to that meeting. They will answer any question that you have. If you want to find out about that, if that's what's holding you back from tithing, come talk to me. I'll tell you when that meeting is. You can go to it. But tithing to the local church is extremely biblical and extremely important. Second uh, place God tells us to give is to the poor and the needy. To the poor and the needy. And I'll say this. This is where our generosity starts. This is where our generosity starts. Tithing is not being generous. Tithing is obedience. Giving to the poor and needy is extremely important to God. I'm going to read you some, some, some Proverbs and then one passage out of Matthew. Proverbs 19.17 says this. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Matthew 25.40 says, Whatever you have done for the least of these, you have done for me. Like, think about this. God is saying that when we give to the poor, it's the same as if we are giving to him. This is what Matthew 28, 27 says. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing. So God says, give your tithe, you'll lack nothing. And he says, give to the poor, you'll lack nothing. And giving to the poor is not giving, is not, does not count towards our tithe. This is above and beyond our 10%. But those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. Whoa. Whoa. And this is where the Bible is calling us. Everyone say personal responsibility. Now, there are so many amazing uh, ministries, Mel Trotter, Degage, so many amazing ministries that, that, that serve the poor. And we should be supportive of those ministries. But there is a personal responsibility on you, 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 everyone in this room to care for the poor with our own hand. There is something supernatural that happens to us when we meet someone and we give to someone who will never be able to pay us back. There's something special that happens on the inside of a, of a person when we go and step into someone's world who is hopeless and provide a need that they have that will change their today. So there's these panhandlers that sit on the side of the, you know, on the highway, and you know, you hear all the things like, yeah, you see how much money they make, blah, 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 blah. They're gonna go buy drugs, they're gonna go buy alcohol, they're gonna go buy this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, listen, it's the same thing as the tithe. It's like, it's not our responsibility what they spend their money with. If you want to, just pray over it like a prayer cloth, and hopefully the Holy Spirit whacks them when they try to go buy drugs or something. Like, pray for that if that's your excuse. 
we're not responsible for what they do with the generosity that we have, with our obedience to the Lord. Now, if you really feel that way, then maybe you should pick them up, mentor them, and help them budget. And if you want to take that personal time of yours to invest in them, go for it. But don't use that as an excuse to not care for the poor. Don't use it as an excuse. Because these cur- the Bible says curses. Our heart starts to harden, and God actually, the flow of God's spiritual maturity can't actually take place if we're not obeying the, 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 this 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 command to care for the poor in our area and in our city and in our neighborhoods. We can't be so hard-hearted to say, oh yeah, they can get all, they can get so many meals down. Oh my, yeah, they don't need, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, okay, yeah, they're just taking advantage. They're just, they're just taking advantage. It's like, well, how, how many people take advantage of God's love? He doesn't seem to my, uh, he doesn't withhold love just because people take advantage of it. He gives it freely. Giving to the poor is extremely important to God. So much so that in the Old Testament, there was a law that was, they called gleaning. Okay, everyone say gleaning. So in the Old Testament, a farmer would have to keep, they could not harvest the corners or the edges of their fields. And the reason they were commanded to do this is so that the poor could have something to eat. Like God cares so much about the poor that he, could, that he gave a law that you couldn't harvest your full harvest so the poor would have food to eat. Like God cares so desperately about the poor and our generosity cannot extend just to our peers. Our generosity must extend to the lowest of the low in our communities. And it must come from a personal touch from your hand, from my hand, from a human hand, because here's what I know about people. They don't want a meal. They want a conversation. They don't just want somebody to give them five bucks. They want someone to look at them in the eye, show them that they're loved, show them that their life is worth something, to give them hope, to pray with them, and to make them feel like they're not just a low, good, no good for nothing, because most of them are veterans, and it's, it's, it's not even part, they have PTSD, and we judge them, we, do, we don't even know their stories. And God's saying, no, those are my children, and when you give to them, you give to me. And we say things like, yeah, well, someone else will do it. No, we, I'll do it. Now, I understand we can't talk to every single poor person and pick up every single poor person that we see. But we have to have it in our schedule, in our budget, to give to those who are in need when the Holy Spirit leads us to do so. I don't, want, I don't want you to leave tonight and to feel like you have to pick up and give money to every bum and every poor person that you see. But I am saying you should have it in your heart to give to those when you feel led. Does that make sense? Cool. I'll share this quickly. The third part of giving to those that are in need, I know this is going to sound to to our natural millennial Gen Z mind, this doesn't make sense, but to God it makes total sense. 1 John 3, 17 through 18 says this, are you guys good with me? Are you guys still following? Do you guys need like a stretch break or something? No? Okay. If you do, just like, just throw your shoulders back, crack your neck, okay? And a good trick is if you want to refocus, take one, take, I learned this in school and, and when I was going to be a teacher, take like your right hand, like touch your left ear 
and it does something in your brain where it makes, helps you refocus. It's like weird. It's like crossing the hemispheres of the brain. So boom, you're all set. There you go. 1 John 3, 17 through 18 says this, anyone with earthly possessions sees his brother in need, if anyone with his earthly possessions sees his brother in need, but withholds his compassion from him, how can the love of God abide in him? Now, I want you to see here, it's a brother in need. It's this. It's the people at your table. It's the people in the church. Yes, we need to give to the poor in need, but we also need to give to the, to the local body, our church family, that when people are in need, there should be this generosity inside of us that rises up, and we should have it in our budget so that when needs present themselves, we're like, it's already in my budget, I already have the money, boom, it's not even going to hurt me. I mean, it's still, not, not that it hurts, but it's not, it's not going to affect my you know, it's not going to affect my rent, or it's not going to affect my phone bill, or it's not going to affect my food. It's like, it's budgeted. Like, I have, I have a budget ready for anyone in the church who's, who's in need. And some of you are like, well, it's not going to make a difference. Listen, if it's $2, do it. $2, if that's all you can afford, do it. If it's $10, do it. If it's $100, do it. And when needs arise, even if it's, it's embarrassing to give $2, give it anyway. Because God sees the little things that we do. He sees those little things that we do. And he says, she's trustworthy. I'm going to give her more. I'm going to give her a promotion at her job because she's trustworthy. Does this make sense? Because we're blessed to be a blessing. The second verse I want to share here, 1 Timothy 5.8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his, his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do you guys see what I mean by this? When you read the Bible and it talks about generosity, it's like, what the heck? Like God is very serious about giving. Like he's so serious about generosity. And sometimes we're like, yeah, well, maybe. And God's like, read the book. Like I ain't joking about this. It's the good life. The, the generous life is a good life. Now, we, not, we, like I said, start where we are now. My generosity starts tonight. It doesn't mean that we need to be super like spontaneous and give large amounts. What I'm talking about is being a responsible person to look at how much money you make, look at your bills, and to say, okay, I'm going to actually make a part of my budget for giving. I'm going to make a part of my budget for giving to tithe. I'm going to make it start making my budget to give to, uh, to, give to the poor. I'm going to make it a bu- part of my budget to give to the people in my church who are in need. I'm, well, isn't that the church's job? No, it's your job. I promise you the church does it, but the church doesn't reach as nearly as many people as we want to. Because people are embarrassed to come and get help. But you were rubbing shoulders with each other. So if we know, if we hear of a need, we can actually do it anonymously. Does this make sense? Like, I feel this shifting in the room right now. I feel this shifting in your life to, see, to think differently about how you, you view your finances, to think differently about how you view your generosity and how it's not about how much money you can give. It's the fact that we give where we are. I'm going to blow through this just because we're low on time, but the, 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 the third area that God commands us or directs us to give to is missions. So world missions, ex- spreading the gospel spreading the gospel to the unreached people groups. So this is going to be where 
your area of passion comes in. Some of you are like, I love the Grand Rapids Dream Center. And that's where I want to give to you. Some of you are like, I love world mission. I love that they send Bibles and they go to the 1040 window. Others of you, you're like, you know what? I love Robbie Dawkins. I love that he goes to Iraq. I'm going to, in Afghanistan, in the Middle East, I'm going to support him. You see, this is where your heart gets to be moved. Right? The other ones are like, okay, obedience, tithe. Like, give to the poor and give to the needy. This is more of like, where's the passion of your heart? Where is God drawing the passion and moving you with compassion for your city or for your world? And now make that a part of your budget to give every single month. And I'm telling you, give $2 a month. I'm serious. Give $2 a month to support World Mission. Give $2 a month to support the Grand Rapids Dream Center. Give $2 a month to support Robbie Do- who Give $2 a month to support Mike, to support Mike Benson and the Conquerors. So give, give what you have because it's not about how much you give. It's about your faith being activated and being found trustworthy to actually be a person who receives true riches. Remember what it says. In the verse that we shared in the beginning, pulling it up. Oops, where is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, Luke 16. It says, it says, if you have not been trustworthy with some, or I'm sorry, it says, so if you have not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, who will trust you, world rich, uh, true riches? Listen, all of this stuff, all of this obedience to God's word and and generosity is all about us catching God's heart and being a target for God's true riches. Who wants God's true riches? I do. And I know that the true riches demand that I be a steward of my money and be responsible with my money and to be generous with the money that I have. You guys, if we'll do this, our, our spiritual lives, and I'm not saying we earn it because it's not so much of an earning, but it is a test. And it is an opportunity for us to be found faithful with the little that we do have. So, three areas of generosity is tithing, poor and needy, and missions. And obviously there are other areas of generosity that we can give in. These are just the basics. I, think, I would say these are the foundations. Before we move on to other things, we need to get these in line first. Right on? Would you guys pray with me? Just bow your heads. If you're someone tonight and you want to catch this even more, if you want to catch the heart of generosity and start experiencing the true riches that God has for you, if you want to have a bigger heart for generosity, a bigger conviction, and a bigger decision to be generous, if that's you tonight, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you and you want this bigger heart to be generous, just raise your hand. All right, if that's you and you raise your hand, just repeat after me. This is a good moment. This is not a somber moment. This is an exciting moment. This is, this, is the, this is the first step towards the greatest season of your life. So Say, Jesus, thank you for being generous to me. Teach me to be generous. God, I trust you with my whole heart. And tonight I make a decision to give in every season, whether it's $1 or $10,000, I will give what I have. So Holy Spirit, make me so generous that it makes me a target for your true riches.
And may the world around me be blessed by my life. In Jesus' name.